I want you to succeed at things that you never thought were possible, and I want you to fail at things that you never thought were possible. But I just want you to take that failure and move forward. Good evening. Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. I am El Ray, your host. Um, we had a very good episode last week just talking about education. I wanted to continue it today. I was going to bring on two teachers, two educators, um, and the first one just basically ran into some life issues because, you know, shit's crazy teaching coronavirus and all that. So um, we saved her for a later date and we are still going to move forward. Um, for most, I mean, most of you guys don't know that I started an event a nonprofit event in Costa Rica about 10 years ago called Tropic Bowl. We help, um, we go there, we play football, we teach health and wellness to at-risk youth and kids. Um, I mean, we have gotten to a point where I've been able to incorporate a lot of my friends in it as well. <laughs> Motherfuckers at Roberto Moreno Wi-Fi. <laughs> and um, as we incorporated our friends, they've basically built their own programs as well. So everything we have that that's helped out as we went along, whether it be Limitless Athletics that works with kids all year round, or Harold Roy and EpiCare who came, they teach first responders CPR. Um, we brought them last year. They, they teach kids to even this shirt I'm wearing. I'm tired. You like that? That's my man, Tim Jones with One Vision Training. Go on Instagram, One Vision Training. And then there is a method behind all the madness. And my man that I look like look at like he is uh, the wizard in the Wizard of Oz that's sitting behind the curtains creating all this mayhem. Um, I'm going to bring him in right now. It is my main man, Alex Holder. What's going on? What's going on? I'm good, man. That's a beautiful intro, man. You you putting a lot on me, man. You putting a lot on me to live up to. (laughs) Exactly, right? Um, And then on top... I was going to say, then on top of that, man, I got beef with you, man, because you bringing me on after your highest rated episode, Listen, Mr. Mims coming through. That is the most info-driven episode. It's not It's not the highest as far as views. We got a lot of views on, um, I think, the the first one that I did, the police one, because okay. I had black people yelling at me. Speaking of that, this week, and over the last three weeks, it started with, you know, black people yelling at me. Last week, I got white people telling me I'm racist, too, so I'm doing something right. <laughs> Right? <laughs> <laughs> or 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 you're or you're super racist. You're just super so, racist. Everybody, everybody got to go. Exactly. Um, is every- with that being said, tell me about what you do, man. Tell me about your organization. What you've been doing? Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on, man. It's it's an honor to be honest, man. I see what you're doing with this platform, and and I love it, man. It's a like I said, it's an honor to be here. Um. So I'm doing a lot. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing a lot. Uh, Steam Ahead is the is the primary vehicle, though, man. That's a nonprofit that I started with uh, my business partner Lauren Murphy uh, in 2018. Um, we, whenever I explain it to people, I try to kind of put our work in three different buckets. So we have a we create our own programs and we create STEM educational programs for underrepresented uh, youth and under resourced uh, populations of youth, um, and um, and then. 
we also kind of serve as educational consultants working with other organizations to help them do the same who have similar passions, similar missions. Um, and we basically kind of work with them on their teams and serve as glue. So if they need help fundraising, help uh, recruiting kids, help putting together programs, we're really jack of all trades from that standpoint and we help get things done. And then the kind of third aspect of what we do really kind of falls under kind of resource collection and management. So we come across a, too many families that we can't serve. Um, and even kind of we and even come across families that may not be a great fit for our program. So we try to kind of stay abreast of what's going on and free resources and other kind of programs and other people doing great things out there. We try to make sure that we're pushing families and kids to stay active and, and promoting continuous learning. I mean, as far as going into now, do you feel like it's more challenging as far as getting everything together, putting programming in place with coronavirus, especially since there's like there's no roles that have kind of been defined as to what people are supposed to do when they're supposed to do it? Tell me a little bit how about if that is a challenge and how it's been a challenge. It's it's all it's it's crazy. It's it was crazy before coronavirus. It's crazy now. It's just a different kind of crazy. Right. Um coronavirus is definitely so we it's easier to kind of engage with kids easier to kind of do this kind of programming when you're in person when you're able to get kids in a classroom when you're able to bring kids outside and shoot rockets in the air and and kind of do all that kind of fun stem stuff uh but um we're definitely kind of you know, we're taking this on as a challenge to find different ways where we can kind of create, give that same educational experience, have that same impact, have that same engagement, but in these virtual environments. So it's tough, but you know, it, it's, it's tough doing that other stuff too. So what are they, I mean, what have they easy. said to you as far as like actual defined restrictions of what you can't do, what you can do. And has anybody getting kind of given you a date as to like, yeah, when we get to this date, you can shoot rockets in the air, but you can't shoot rockets in the air next to a class. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. So there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of kind of people kind of hopefully being very hopeful and being very optimistic setting dates. We we made the decision early on where it's just like this coronavirus thing looks serious enough where um, where we really can't trust the information out there. So let's kind of pick a path and just stay on it. And the most reasonable path that we saw was going virtual with our program. So so we um, we shook our whole roadmap up. We were planning on kind of doing in-person programming over the summer, really amping up our engagements with some of our partners, and then being in schools, doing programming, creating maker spaces, and really getting hands-on students for the rest of the year. And all that got thrown out the window. And I was just like, okay, like, how can we still have that impact? <laughs> but we got to come up with some new ideas on how we're going to do that. So, um, so literally, man, I've been, this is my office right here. This is like the nice part of it. If I turn the camera the other way, it's just papers and craziness. <laughs> Shit, and that's my, that's my life. <laughs> Everywhere, if I turn the camera the other way in my fucking life, then people realize, it's, Oh, he's not a millionaire. The motherfucker is broke as shit. And, his house is on fire. <laughs> Put that out. Exactly, like, exactly. So like, this is the illusion right here. Like this little bit of couch in this, in the window behind me. But, um, but yeah, man, we just been here just planning, man. Just, I got the whiteboards up everywhere and just trying to figure out kind of how we can really kind of be impactful in this virtual environment. And then on top of that, man, it's not just kind of like just sitting in a room in a bubble trying to figure that out. I'm constantly talking to parents like yourself. I'm talking with other educators. I'm talking with kids on all levels. And I'm really trying to figure out kind of what's working, what's not working, and just trying to calculate and trying to formulate a new plan. And then even as we're running stuff, 
all, our staff this summer is amazing. Everybody is like has the right energy, has the right spirit going into it. And I'm bringing a business aspect to it because that's my background. And especially like doing product development, doing kind of agile development, creating stuff. And we're looking at everything just from the standpoint of like, okay, let's, we have an idea, let's vet it out, let's test it, let's see if it works, let's talk about it. Did it work? No, why didn't it work? Okay, let's make some adjustments, let's go. It did work? Okay, why did it work? How can we amplify that? How can we kind of keep that going? Yeah, keep I mean, spreading as you that? know, it's like we do that type of work all the time. And Ralph, let me know if this is louder because I did change something a little bit. So let me know if that volume um, upload uh, kind of goes up a little bit. Um, it's the same type of thing that we do where we kind of have to reassess what worked, what didn't work all the other time because everybody always looks at the finished product and doesn't ever factor in the, you know, the fucking screaming nights for no apparent reason and the why this isn't working and, you know, why is everybody trying to tear this shit down as we're trying to day of and then, like, as far as, you know, you know, planning the event in Costa Rica the last couple of years, you're talking about somebody dying the day before. And then the yeah. next year you got basically what we're running into now where, I mean, everybody likes it and enjoys the final product and enjoys the videos and loves to have fun, but doesn't understand how we are working all the fucking time all year to yeah. kind of give somebody a project that is uh, working better for them. Um, I guess moving forward is, as far as like what you're discussing and the challenges that you're facing, and I talk to people kind of about this all the time, I'm a very, very big um, on artistic expression. And I feel like with everybody kind of freaking out about when we can go back to school and actually let me stop right there and say the poll that was supposed to be up there was when you think that anybody that's in there, that's a parent. Cause we do have a lot of parents in there right now. You're, you should return your kids to school. Is it tomorrow? Cause I'm ready to go tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> is it December? Is it 20 fucking 21? Is it 2022? What do y'all think? Y'all could just type it. Let me know so I can see what that is and speak on that. But um, I feel the mental aspect is something that's just not being um, kind of looked at at all. Even when people go to school, they speak with psychologists, they speak with, you know, social workers. And now, now it's just like, hey, I'm dropping your work off at your house. Do that shit. Yeah. It's not checking yeah. your mental well-being. It's not checking your, your artisticness. Because when, you, when you're by yourself or you're alone, you do have artistic people and you don't. But now you don't have a chance for those artistic people to influence those non-artistic people. Yeah, man, that, that's such a great point, man. And and to that like point, I've been study, I've been trying to study this thing and just try to kind of like look at it from all those angles and kind of looking at the population of, of students that we serve, like that middle school, that like late elementary, middle school age kind of uh, group of students. We also serve high school students too, but like the at our at our core, um, the, that emotional kind of engagement with other students just with other people is is it's lacking right now and it's definitely it's definitely kind of the detriments of that are definitely showing kind of with these kids as like we're, we're calling kind of zoom fatigue and we're calling kind of like just a restlessness with kids and and that's definitely building up um and that's when we went into building when we said we were going to do a virtual program we were looking at the problems and engagement and and definitely kind of having interaction amongst kind of like student populations was definitely kind of one of the things that we we saw as a huge problem we heard feedback that was a huge problem and and we and we uh tried to kind of put a bunch of different kind of ideas in place on how to solve that from having kind of recess like online virtual recess sessions where basically like the kids are all in a zoom and they're and is it's their lead.
eating it and they're just kind of t- telling jokes to each other they're showing videos to each other and and it's just a real open environment just kind of giving them some interactions that you don't get from just sitting in front of a computer in class learning math or learning science or whatever the case i don't may know be. if you like in brookline when we grew up there was a guy his name was arthur conquest i don't know if he's still around i was talking mm-hmm. to my friend akil and he said yeah actually he is still around and that he might have been the embodiment of the start of like stem shit because I can remember yeah, okay. when I was maybe 10, they were like, oh, you got to go to Mr. Conquest's class. And I was like, what the fuck is Mr. Conquest's class? And it was this black dude with the biggest fucking lips ever. And I think he actually had an allergic reaction because this shit was like in Nutty Professor when he had the lips. And he was like, my lips is swollen. Racist, I need right. some better. That's and right. no, motherfucker had big lips. It's not racist. I've already been racist twice this week. I can't be racist three times. That's a rule. That's, that's a white people rule. I can't be racist three times. Now, what? It's, it's 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 three racism. Then you get an extra punch on your punch card. You get one free. You know. <laughs> so, basically, when I went to his course, he we made a robot. He had like a motherboard, okay. and we were soldering. So at ten at ten years old, I'm sitting here with a fucking solder gun and an iron, yeah. and that's the exact type of thing that you could do. Said you had the actual program structured to. So you, you know, you ship the shit to the kids' houses. And yeah. then they open the box, and then everybody's on a Zoom at the same time with an instructor in, in the center, and then you Zoom like that. We we are doing that. So this weekend, like my life, <laughs> this weekend I'm driving to fam- families' houses, parents' houses, and delivering STEM kits so that we can do that very thing. We found a great partner. Um, in, um, they actually found us, and then we kind of started talking, and then we built this relationship. Uh, it's a restaurant called Spice. It's the first robotic kitchen I think ev- anywhere ever it's in Cambridge. Um, it's a bunch of MIT grads who started it. And if you go if you go on YouTube and you look at it, it it, it looks like some crazy shit. It, it's it's awesome. I can't wait till they open back up so we can kind of get in there. But um, we're partnering with them to build. Um, STEM kits, and then and kind of do some kind of STEM work and surprises and stuff like that, and that tie into their business, so that the kids can have a real world application for some of the stuff that they're doing. And then we're going to have that Zoom session, like you said, kind of with the Spice team to sit down and kind of talk about the inventions that the kids did and how they're actually practical and how they're being used. So it, it's it's about bringing those real world aspects to these STEM projects and and kind of and trying to engage kids that way, not just saying. Just blanket, just BS kind of general kind of project. Yeah, because I mean, I think it's like at the end of the day, how the hell are you going to fail somebody if you just dropping off work at the house and saying whatever? You ain't fucking teaching them. You just like, hey, here, here's the shit. Where's it at? And you're like, yeah. I don't know. And they're like, I, I feel like this this entire year is going to be a wash, which is the craziest shit ever. It's like you could be yeah. a dude that, you know, you hear these stories like Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis dominated mm-hmm. when he became a running back. But he didn't become a running back until the final game of the exhibition season. So now he, they say he yeah. made a tackle on a kickoff. And they were like, Terrell Davis is going to be on the team. So right now, you don't get to fucking be a Terrell Davis. A whole year is gone. Yeah. So if you were like, yeah. say you were a senior in high school, and you were like, this is the year. I'm going to show out. Then I'm going to go to the league. You don't got that no more. How are they even supposed to manage that? But it's not everybody who doesn't have that. So this is where, like, this is where the kind of qualities of scale come into place. Where if you have access to resources, if you have, if you have kind of a, a, a support system around you, who's who's who has the financial and kind of wherewithal and everything else in order to kind of put 
kind of these structures in place, you're not going to miss a beat. You're going to you're going to still get the same education. You're still going to get the same kind of knowledge and, and the same journey. It's just going to come over the course of a computer inside of this um, for families who don't have that ability to be able to get private tutors, to be able to kind of pay for these high top level programs like that's where you're, you're missing out on your trail Davis's. That's where that's that's where kids get basically they just get lost mm-hmm. in the gap. And I feel like it's obviously not not only the responsibility of you, but the responsibility of these programs that people kind of take for granted to pick up that slack and not only pick up that slack, but, you know, to find those hidden gems and bring them to the next level because anybody can be anybody. You never know what's going on in anybody's life at the time. And um, you said programming in that last statement that you made. And one of the questions I do want to ask you is what do you think that we need more of? In, in these kids' lives. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of great organizations. There's a lot of great STEM organizations, a lot of great sports organizations. Um, so I think the first step is just talking to parents, talking to guardians of kids. It's just to get your kids involved in something and get them active. Just like you were saying, you were you were in that class and you were soldering for the first time. My mom threw me in some random science program over the summer around the same age uh, that you were and I was doing the same thing. I'll go bored and solder in and that stuff stays with you, man. And that stuff opens your mind up to be like, okay, like there's different lanes and the different kind of success pathways and this somebody just said I, I, had, I said what do you, when i said what do you what do we need more of somebody said jesus <laughs> god <laughs> damn it there you don't go. you there do you it go. don't destroy my there podcast before it gets started <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say start talking that talk and then ray gets derailed <laughs> and my education episode turned into something else <laughs> you know what i'm saying but um, but but the first part though, man, is is just getting your kids involved with something, man. Now, um, it, it specifically if you're looking at kind of what kids really need, I mean, I think they need some kind of art infusion, and I'm not just talking about just sitting around playing with watercolors, but I'm talking about like music. I'm talking about I'm I'm talking about the the actual kind of arts, man, and just kind of a study of that, or even an infusion of that. We try to we try to infuse art into all of our STEM programs uh, last year. And then this year, we're kind of blowing it out a little bit more. Um, we're working, we have a final project for our kids. I hope nobody's listening because we didn't tell them what it is yet. But um, but basically, we're doing a songwriting and entrepreneurship project. It's going to be over a course of two weeks where they're going to be on the team and they're in the music business. They need to write a song. They need to record the song. Then they need to create a marketing plan for that song. They need to they need to figure. They need to they'll have a budget. They need to figure out how much they're going to allocate towards marketing. How they're going to how much they're going to allocate towards the actual release of that song. They're going to talk with studio engineers. We're going to partner them with local artists in the city who are actually doing these things. And and they're going to kind of get that education of art, of English language arts, of kind of writing. Of it all kind of wrapped up in one. So somebody no, says I'm not. No, 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 no. Nobody said something. It was fucking what you said was perfect because as we go forward, we're gonna go down the rabbit hole. We're, I was gonna talk about some music shit that was just like that. So it was like, okay. damn, this okay. is crazy. Okay. I don't know. Okay. You know what I'm saying, man? That's some crazy shit. The um, as far as like the school system, and I don't know if you're really familiar in it. Um, what is your opinion of special education? Yeah. Um, so, so we have a partnership with uh, Boston Public Schools, and then we also um, work with other school districts throughout Massachusetts. Where we we do programming everywhere, but we're concentrated here in Mass. Um, 
I we, we haven't kind of delved really deep into special ed, so I don't want to kind of pronounce myself as an expert or kind of anything like that, man. But there's definitely just like there's flaws <laughs> just in the overall system. I think there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of flaws and a lot of non kind of within that space, um, especially as it relates to students being especially students of color, especially students kind of in these kind of underrepresented districts being given IEPs right away and kind of that tying in with the funding that schools are getting, like there's a lot of nasty business that's going on in that, in, with that relationship. And I think, and the, some of the best stories that I've heard are parents who are advocating for their kids. Right. And this is something where it's tough to put this on the parents because a lot of parents just don't know, but and a lot of parents, you know, and it's not even to their fault. They have trust in their teachers. They have trust in the schools. So when the schools say, hey, like your kid has this kind of a problem or needs and here's the results for it, like they're they're apt to accept that rather than kind of ask questions and really kind of dig a little deeper. But those parents who, who sit there and repeatedly ask why, 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 what's that mean? What are the results of that? Those are the ones who, who can kind of help kind of save their kids and pull them out of some of these kind of pitfalls that are already in place that, that these kids just naturally kind of fall into. And it's not... And I don't want to put it on even like the teachers or administrators being a bad guy. It's the system, right? It's the system that that profits from having a certain number of kids in special education, dumbing down that educational process for those kids so that their grades are higher, so that they can get more funding. And it's just it's just a nasty cycle. Well, I mean, with that being said, um, as far as my experience with it, like I look at it, and and I was talking to one of my friends earlier about it specifically that in my experience where that I was diagnosed with ADHD. So that apparently puts you in the bracket of, you know, a learning disability. I'm at the point where I guess and the way that Brookline structured, obviously you have Jamaica Pond, which is there's projects over there. And then where I lived, which is there's projects over there. And it seemed like uh, everybody was in special ed in those two projects. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching a yeah. video earlier um, with Huey Newton and, and actually one of the speakers who I sent him a, a request earlier to try to talk to him because I never heard of him until today was talking about these specific numbers in 1988 that was like, oh, well, like 80% of minorities get put in special education up to yeah. Dr. Umar saying it, you know, four years ago. And I'm like, this is the same yeah. thing. We're talking, if I would have wiped yeah. out the visual of what I was watching earlier, you would have thought it was fucking yeah. 2020. You want to know what timeline it is, yeah. So, um, yeah. as far as, like, what my experience was, I get put in there because I'm hyperactive, you know, but that hyperactive brand stays with you until everybody wants to say it. Teachers only say stuff yeah. like, oh, did you take your medication today? Instead of, like, okay, well, let me try to find some type of common ground for you to, because, once again, I, if I can tell you a story about me remembering making a fucking robot, obviously I should have been making more fucking robots. But now yeah. what happens is you put me in a class with somebody who has a real learning disability. And yeah. I don't. So I'm like, you got me with this dude, and it's the same standard of work across the board. So it's like I can act up and do whatever the fuck I want. And then when it's time to do the work, it's like, oh, there it is. It's done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you, and you're not being challenged. And because and because you're not being – and then also you have the stigma that's placed on you, and you have the ceiling that's capped on you, and you don't even know it, right? So – so your friends who aren't in that, you know what I'm saying, they're getting different degrees of work and they're taking honors classes and AP classes and that's putting them in the classifications to be able to kind of get into better colleges and, and, and have better marks and blah, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. And you're capped, you know what I'm saying? And, 
and they're incentivized to keep you in there because of funding. Because and that, of I mean, that's not being told to anybody. Several but, other but with, to, to, to touch on what you said earlier, it's like I, I I had a couple friends that you know every time somebody tried to put them in special education, their parents would show up and go, "Yo, fuck that! He's not going to special ed- education, and he's not taking medication." And I look at him now like motherfucker you should have went to special education you should have took some medication because you didn't even graduate now you know what i'm saying and it's like but they're fighting without a solution and and that's a big part of kind of what's going on in america right now the fight needs to lead towards some type of solution so don't tell me hey no that's not for him but then now when he comes home you're not tutoring him and making him a better fucking student that's not going to work either because now you get lost and you don't even graduate yeah and and it's a multifaceted problem right because you, you definitely need a trusted educational layer to identify kids and then monitor kids and see kind of exactly kind of where their levels are because and, and make sure that they're being properly assessed continuously. But then also, too, you need you need that home structure. And when when that kid gets home, they need to be able to kind of have to know they have to sit down and know they have to get their homework done. And and. There needs to be communication there. Parents say, like, looking at their kids trying to struggle with their homework, struggle with their fractions, and say, like, hey, like, then talk to their teacher, say, like, hey, there's some problems here with the fractions. And and the teacher accepting that information and then putting some resources in front of that kid so that they can kind of get that get that skill that they need, man. It, it that communication system, that cycle, isn't there in most cases. Yeah, you just gave. I just had a fucking epiphany while you were talking because. You know how they have an app for your phone? Like, if your kids are driving, they download it, and it won't let them send any text while they're driving? I'm with you. You, 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 you about to make a million-dollar deal? Turn off the podcast. <laughs> you know so me, man. Money, I got millions man. of ideas. This shit don't matter. <laughs> I'm going to give this to y'all. See if y'all really going to fucking do this. What you do is you get an app that you put on their phone and their game that has to be a certain amount of minutes of said thing completed before that shit even works. Kids would revolt. Of course they would, but what you gonna revolt <laughs> against? Would, motherfucking would. eat these lima beans and do this fucking work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it, but even with that, man, it, that takes a parent to set that time and then to really be monitoring that. And and it, it, it's a tough problem, man. Like we we talk to families all the time, man, and and we try to kind of step in and, and serve and be on some community. It takes a community to raise a child stuff. We try to help be part of that community to raise these kids when we have them because. You got parents out here who may have multiple kids, who may have multiple jobs, and they're working hard, and, and they're doing the best they can do just to get their kids to school, just to get their kids to class. And, they, and they're putting a lot of trust in their teachers. And if the, and if the teachers are doing the best that they can, but they're under-resourced and, and, they're, and they're handcuffed and the system's fucked up, then it, it, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a bad cycle, man, that, that kind of pushes a lot of kids towards failure and... I don't know, man. There's this—it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. With that being said, moving forward, what do you think that we can do without or with less of, as far as the school system, yeah. as far as every aspect of like how kids are taught? Yeah, man. I mean, I think, like I said, man, I mean, I, I think continuous learning is definitely the key. And, and I say that, and I, and I mean that on a couple of different fronts, man. I mean, definitely kind of like in school and at home, but then really throughout the school year, man, like I, I, I don't have all the statistics off the top of my head, but um, I can share them with you after this. Um, but 
there's definitely there have been studies done to show the effectiveness of summer learning programs and and showing especially as it relates to kind of black and brown kids and kind of when they have those resources and when they're active in those programs and when they're not and the effects that that has on them moving forward throughout the school year man i think i think that's huge um and then just as just regular people kind of not even necessarily parents or guardians, man, but like just supporting these programs. Um, if you have access to resources that can help these programs or if you have, or you can donate or if you can volunteer time, I mean, all that stuff helps, man. Um, I know as somebody who runs a nonprofit, man, like we have our little Amazon thing and every time somebody, we get a little 13 cents from there, man, I'll, you know what I'm saying? I might little, get a little tear come down my eye. Man, I, I that shit definitely adds do. up. You just, you just hope that at one point somebody's going to take the ball and just fucking run. If somebody takes the ball and runs. Yeah. I remember somebody telling me a story about how they got in on like Avon and he said that the mm-hmm. dude that he knew that got in on Avon got his church, the pastor. Oh, wow. And you already know that. Oh, wow. Once the pastor got involved, everybody had to have holy water and Avon. So <laughs> it just took off, and the motherfucker was rich. He said he had an island when he was done. Oh, so yeah, oh, so, man. I mean, that, those are the type of things that you just, you know, you hear the stories, and you're like, yo, like, everything that I'm about is in thinking with so much positivity in terms of how we can tra- change the world and how we can kind of affect people in a better light. And, um you just hope that people take that into account in themselves when they're thinking about everything. You get people that, and let me, I'll just stop right there. Cause we're going to move forward. Motherfucker. Hold on one second. I, but, I, but I like where you was going. We're going to listen. Because, hey, hey, like, we're going to, we're going to stay on it, but I'll start with another question and we'll get back to it. I was about to. So we're going to start getting the, into some nonprofit slash life type stuff. And my next question would be, I hear this a lot, mostly from racist people. What, <laughs> do we do to fix the black community? Oh man, oh man. Who's we? That's uh, I guess that's my counter to your. Well, to, well, to, your well, well, very yo, broad, to be very, very fair, the dude, the question. guy. To be fair, because I'll now I'll blend these next two questions in together. The guy who asked me this is not one of the racists. He's really just actually mm-hmm. concerned, and I asked him for a story, but didn't have the time to write it. Um, grew up in Baltimore, like in the Wire, Baltimore. And as a white dude, and okay. he made money while he was there. Be-more. Yeah, like Omar's coming. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> he said that at one point he wanted to help, um, and he went to become a teacher at at an inner city Baltimore school. And they told him because I, if you remember yesterday, I, I mean last week I challenged any white person to say, "Let me know when somebody told you you couldn't be some shit because you were white." Now, he didn't say that they told him verbatim that, but he, he they basically mm-hmm. inferred that, why do you want to be a teacher here if you're white and everybody here is black? And his mindset was that, well, I want to do whatever I can to help change people for the better. And I, I what you, what's crazy is I don't think people realize on the, there's that aspect on, on both sides of it. So even if you have good intentions, there could be somebody on the other side that's preventing your intentions from coming, you know, to light. Yeah. Um. To kind of go back to your question, um, there's different we. There's the universal we, right? I mean, I think that kind of just gets into just having compassion and respect for one another and just having open ears to each other's kind of shared experiences. There's the white we, right? How can how can white people kind of help kind of black people in this cause, man? And I think it's it, it's it's about education. It's about kind of and it's about awareness and. A lot of times, 
it's easy to brush things off when it's not happening to you or when it's happening to them or when it's happening over there. But just in recent light of kind of what's going on, especially with these protests and the, this police brutality, this latest full round of police brutality and, and not just black people getting hit with these sticks and, and sprayed with these hoses, but it's white people, it's brown people, it's it's everyone in between. Um, I think that's opening people's eyes, but keeping your eyes open, that's, that's huge. And then black people, man, we, education is the key, but also, man, we have to communicate. We can't keep working in silos. We can't keep we can't keep trying to solve this problem kind of in these kind of in these in these pockets, man. We have, we have, we have to come together. We have to uh, kind of find a message, find a voice and, and really kind of dictate terms. And, and until we do that, man, I'm, it, I, you see change, but it, it's going to be slow. Um, so and just to say, uh. Like I said, everybody that's watching right now, anybody that's going to listen in the future, please subscribe, follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube is Imperfect Audio, Facebook.com slash Imperfect Audio. Everything will be up on Spotify tomorrow. I tell people it's easier because on Spotify, I can just let my shit play and then it will stop and be where I want it to be. So if I'm listening to, to a bunch of podcasts, I can listen to it, kind of go forward. And I do listen to podcasts throughout the week to kind of get... You know, everybody else's perspective, because I'm going to take into account people's perspective before I smash that shit into the ground and make up my own shit. (laughs) There you go. go. One of these things that I've been seeing a lot recently is the, you know, so-and-so's donations came from here. Bill Gates is going to slam a vaccine in your ass and you dead. As a nonprofit (laughs) person, I'm a nonprofit person. Do you give a shit? If somebody shows up and just goes, hey, Alex, you know what? I'm going to give you a million dollars, but my plan is to destroy niggas everywhere. And you're just like, well, that's not my plan, so I'm going to take that million dollars and counter your plan. Yeah, that's a, that's I, I love that question. It's, it's tough, though, right? Because me personally... I know if you give me a million dollars, if you give me a thousand dollars, you give me ten dollars. I know what I'm gonna. I know how I'm gonna make that stretch. I know how I'm. I know I'm gonna impact kind of populations of families and students in need, man. And and, and kind of and it's the same kind of with your work as well, which is kind of why we vibe and why we've been rocking for so long. Um, but the the problem that comes into place with that is the optics of it, man. So that if I'm taking dirty money from X Y Z, then that's gonna prevent me from getting. Uh, that's going to prevent me from getting in rooms and getting money to do other things in the future. So that that's the that's on a qualm with it. But I know, get I, I want the money, but I don't want to be shut out because I took that money. And I, I think that's the I think that's the so kind of biggest guess, problem that nonprofits face with that. What the statement comes down to is this: I, I guess if, if somebody said, "Yo, you know what? I want to give you a million dollars today," and you knew it was like some fucking it was like a a shady situation or somebody that was like, didn't agree with what you're saying or you know what, you know wholeheartedly that you're going to make like $10,000 over the next like 20 years, which it's not the Mm -hmm. same amount of money, but you know, your morals are intact. So to, so to say in your mind, but where you're at right now is like, yo, I have this fucking plan that I want to do right now and I need $200,000 right now. Um, and, and to kind of segue that into a story that, that I, that I got, I was in um, Midland, Texas. I 
can't remember. It was like five years ago. I'm still trying to financially recover from it. Um, I'm going to ask you why you were in Nowhere, Texas. Well, I was in Nowhere, Texas <laughs> because we had a uniform order that customs decided to stop for no fucking apparent reason. And the okay. owner of an entire youth organization, mind you, um, in middle of middle of Texas. So, like, football is oh, wow. deaf or fucking... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm either... It's, it's either oil or football. Yeah. So, I go down there. They won't release it to me. So, I'm like, okay, I got to drive 10 hours from Dallas to Midland. Because the pickup was in Dallas. But there's an airport <laughs> in Midland. But I had to drive into Dallas. So, about a quarter of the way to Midland... I'm like, oh, I'm fucking hungry. Let me Google, you know what I'm saying, what there is to eat over here. And it was one place. It was called Juju's Barbecue in Potissi, okay. Texas. Y'all can look that shit up, right? <laughs> that sounds like you made that sound like you made that all you the way up. No, the picture of this motherfucking place, and I would throw it up here, but I don't I don't have it on my computer. Maybe wait a minute. Wait a motherfucking minute. I might have that shit. I'll throw it right over our faces just to. so people can see it real quick. You about to screenshot? Oh, look at you with the technology, no, no, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Took you five episodes, boy. My boy came hey, up, listen, boy. Dave, I'm trying to get this episode, man. You know what I'm saying, man? Let me see if I can get a little there. I'm going to fuck around and, and shut down the whole internet with this shit. Exactly. Watch. Podcast shut down for two weeks because of this. All because I'm showing you some racism. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it before. I can close my eyes. Boom. Still... There it is. I got it over both of our faces right now. Just so y'all can see it for two seconds. Right? Yeah, you'll be able to see it later. Don't worry about that. That shit's going down now. Where's that shit at? Live. Hold it down and get a feedback. So, anyways. I go to this place to get barbecue. My wife's like, mind you, I drove past fucking uh, Jeepers Creepers fucking cornfields to get to this motherfucking place. (laughs) So, we pull up. It's just a dirt fucking road and they're selling barbecue out the fucking top. And my wife's like, I'm not going to that fucking place. You're fucking crazy. So I'm like, yo, we got to eat. Ain't nothing else next to us. So I go out. I take a picture of this random, like, caricature coon doll they have in the corner. Like, yo, what the fuck's going oh, on no. in here? So I get out. What year is this, by the way, just for the just to set the scene? Like, fucking five years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, Continue like, on. I guess it was, like, four <laughs> years after Mississippi outlawed slavery. So, um... <laughs> So I posted online. I posted on my Facebook. And I said, risking my life for some barbecue. And I had three black people come my shit. Well, I wouldn't even have ate there. You know what I'm saying? Why'd you even eat there? And I'm, I said, because I had to eat. Like, what do you mean? So, um, and they go, well, I would have ordered the shit and left. And I'm like, no, it's a 10-hour drive. It's a 10-hour drive. So I drove yeah. past a real fucking ghost town. Like the, like if you look it up to where I was at, it's a real ghost town. Like there was a post out, like I'm yeah. a sheriff now type ghost town. Like they just pick up a badge and they just run the shit now, like Django type shit. So I said, I have to fucking eat. Like that doesn't even make any sense at the end of the day. Like yeah. what am I supposed to do? Starve to death for my fucking principles? Like, and trust me, if I could, I am the person that would. So to to, yeah. to kind of go from that to that. That person that said that and three other people that said that on that post have not fucking donated a dollar in 10 years. Now, yeah. mind you, and, go and ahead. Even, and, and, even, and even beyond that, like, if they were in the middle of nowhere and that's the only food spot and you've been driving for God knows how many hours, they go stop and get them some, some brisket, too. Like, it's, you're you going to get the food. Yeah, like, but that's the thing. Everybody, until they're in that, 
that situation wants to play like, you know, over the top black lives fucking matter to the max. And I, I tell people all the time, I get into arguments with super over the top Afrocentric black people just as much as I get into arguments with racist white people because it's both two fucking of the dumbest logics I've ever seen in my life where it's like, you know, Eminem can't rap. Like, what are we doing here? This is a fucking real conversation. Yeah. So um, with that being said, like kind of what I what I touched on in the beginning is that in the 10 years that I've done this, done this, you know, I got a, a shitload of people on my profile that's always talking about black power, this black power, that, and they ain't donated a fucking dime. And I got in between five Trump supporters, ooh, that donate minimum of $1,000 each every fucking year. So what the fuck am I supposed to do? Not eat the barbecue? Yeah. I'll be starving and won't be able to fucking fund and change the world. Because at the end of the day... I know that whatever happens with that money, I'm taking it to a point where I'm changing people's lives. Yeah, and 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 part of the expression, but things can't be black and white, right? Like you, you gotta kind of look at these things on a case by case basis. Like you've been driving for ten hours and you're stuck in middle of nowhere, Texas, and it's the only food spot. Go eat some food, like because you dying. It's not going. You know what I'm saying? And then even with that too, like a lot of people, a lot of a lot of people who are for the cause, a lot of people who are woke, they they just woke on this computer. They just woke on that for internet. Because yo, listen, I could have died of starvation, and you still wouldn't be sharing my shit. <laughs> so it's like, and and you're better than me, man, because I because I don't have the energy or patience to be arguing with people online and stuff. But I but I see it happening, and. It's just a lot of people are talking about change. A lot of people are talking about kind of being active and doing things. A lot of people aren't doing it, man. And it's just like, I, God bless. <laughs> it's like, go ahead, man. You, I, I saw you. I saw I a meme you. the other day, and um, it said, uh, <laughs> what did it say? It said, you know, but it's I see a million of them in different variations, so it's hard for me to put together. It's 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 like a, a support black business meme, and then it says, okay. Yeah. But and then some lady comments under it. But black business meme doesn't mean your shirts are forty five dollars. Your t shirts are forty five dollars. Yes, the fuck it does. Yes, the fuck it does, everybody. Because black businesses are usually buying twenty fucking shirts at a time, not twenty five thousand like Walmart. And then, mind you, your stupid ass is still gonna go buy a fucking Dolce and Gabbana shirt for five hundred and eighty five dollars anyway. That was gonna be my flip. That was gonna be my flip. It's not even. It's not even the. It's not even the forty dollars that you got to spend on that black business. And that forty. That shows forty dollars, not because it's a black business, just because it's a new business and because the scale of economy and just the economics behind producing goods is you know like. But that you can't complain about that forty dollars shirt if you go and then go spend Correct. two I mean, racks right on. Now you're looking at. And I, I noted these all down. This the, the new black craze for Clase Azul tequila is a hundred twenty five fucking dollars. So what was the tequila you you were cutting uh, off? Clase Azul, the the like porcelain uh, white one with yeah. the blue. And I've yeah, seen so it yeah. a million times. And that that's the new like ultimate weird fucking you know buying some tequila shit. I'm a Don Julio guy. I'm good with that. But now I'm saying you spend one hundred twenty five dollars, then you come to me and complain about my shirt. Uh, guess what? My shirt's gonna last longer than a night. Yeah. And it ain't just specifically me because I do do this shit. And in order for me to speak on it and say, like, I'm going to do it. Like, for instance, you know, everybody's like, oh, black banking, one united. 
I switched. I, I didn't switch, but I opened up a One United account. They have the worst fucking customer service I've ever dealt with in my uh, entire fucking life. And I was like, I told them that. Listen, I try to do this, but you guys have the worst customer service I've ever dealt with in my life. So I don't even know why you have a platform. Because I swear to fucking God, if I like speak life into you, whether it be one of my friends or somebody else, then I expect you to deliver wholeheartedly. Just like if, I, if, if somebody's like, yo, I got tickets to a game, I expect you to represent yourself accordingly. So represent yourself accordingly if I'm referring to you. I had the same experience with One United, man. I was on my, you know what I'm saying? I was on my, we're going to do this, man. We're going to support this black banking. And I got the Bank of America account. I got the Citizens account and all that through like businesses and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to push some of this money over here to this black bank. And, and man, the, the online, like it was just a, it was just a whole list of just problems, man. The online access wasn't there like half the time. I couldn't, I couldn't get on at night. Like it was just, like, it's just kind of. Yo, I, I fucking changed my my address like three crazy. times, and they're like, "Oh, you need a new card," and I'm like. I did this already. Like, don't y'all have a notation system? And I have a small credit union too, Harvard University Credit Union. I use them as well. And I'm yeah. like, they don't have this type of issue. And you guys are a bigger bank than them. So obviously you didn't take it to and then another thing that really made me mad about them is them using the Kaepernick narrative and not sponsoring Kaepernick. Yeah. So they kept saying, like, oh, players are kneeling. And I'm like, why don't you give that man some money uh so he can actually change the fucking world instead of using his likeness in the most sketchy of ways because as you see yeah. but or, not, or not or not even give him money right because that's just one piece of it but like reach out to him partner with his organization and give bank accounts to the youth that he's serving you know what i'm saying like take that stuff to the next level like don't just give him some money one time so that he could be the face of your thing so that you can open up more bank accounts and still have a janky online system like like really kind of try to affect some change and that's the kind of that's the level of vetting that we need to do and that's when i said like when you said kind of like how do we solve this like as black people, we need to we need to communicate, man, and we need to be like business over there, but they don't have their stuff together yet. But this one does, so let's support these two, these three, and you know what I'm saying. And so, let's try I to mean, kinda... with what you said, is that I bought a shirt one time. I think it was like two years ago, and the shirt just said "Buy Black," right? It took like mm -hmm. fucking five weeks to come here, and it was from UK, and the shit was thirty nine dollars, and it was like a regular, yeah. like the worst quality T shirt you could have. So. Even mm -hmm. if I messaged the dude in his inbox and I said, whatever this is, improve. Like, I don't even care about yeah. the money. But if you're yeah. telling me I'm paying this much for this shirt, then you need to take that shit to the next level. And with that being said, on, on, on the line of like our, our company, um, FTL, we fucking reinvest in the community and everything just comes down to like the cheapest possible thing to where you're not even seeing it. Don't fucking say mm -hmm. over here that you want people to invest in the community and then over here you use, you know, the cheapest possible company because it was cheap for you at the time, even though I'm reinvesting in everything that yeah. is about the community that you're in. Donations with fucking actual evidence of donations all over the place. Fucking my partner, fucking Ralph, donates to shit all fucking year long. I, I, yo, we had a dude that owed us like 3K. Ralph used their service, and then he still didn't pay us back. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you? Like, how does that make sense yeah, in your head? How does that make sense in your head when you're not understanding reinvesting in everything that's around you before, you know, it breaks down to nothing. And then you cry that it's uh, like, for instance, in uh, Dudley. What is, what's the fucking word that they're saying? Everybody's taking over. 
Uh, what they what they trying to change the name to? Gentrification. Okay. Uh, gentrification. Gentrification yeah. is impossible if you own that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Here it is as clean as that. It, if you own that shit in the thirty fucking years it was there, gentrification in a neighborhood where everybody shares a common ground is fucking impossible. So you're you're going on two different waves, real quick. So I, w- I want to talk about that. I'm putting a pin in that with with these black businesses. Just just because you make that buy black shirt doesn't mean that that person is kind of like with the cause and kind of with the, has the right mindset of giving back. A lot of people are out here just trying to get a check and 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 scamming off the scam. You know what I'm saying? Like We've so, seen it. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it 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 is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's why I said there has to like. It can't, it can't it, buy black as a concept, like let that sink in everybody, but also too, let's communicate and let's figure out who's really doing good business out here and let's put our money towards the good business and let the, and let everybody else who's scamming for a dollar try to figure that out with the gentrification piece, man. That's, 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 that's something that kind of touches, uh, to, like hits at home with me, man. I'm, I'm in my family home right now in Roxbury on the Dorchester line. And, um, and you know what I'm saying like it and I see the neighborhood changing man I see I see developers coming in here taking kind of old kind of all, all these homes converting them into condos pushing pushing up the rents pushing up the values of the homes so we can't buy them back and so that we can't even rent them so that the whole kind of neighborhood is changing from that standpoint man and and it comes to it's it's too late to try to mobilize and get in the game now to try to really kind of fight against this kind of real estate takeover because we're late we're 10 years too late like it's been happening, but in Boston, well, we you're can. right. In Boston, yeah, yeah, in Bo- right. yeah, yeah, 100%, 100% Boston. In other places, like where you are, kind of like take a look at the landscape and kind of do what's going on there. Here in Boston, talking about Coronaville, what's going on on the <laughs> where you are, is Coronaville. <laughs> we say messed up over here. You are, is Coronaville. Don't, don't, don't put that evil on us, Ricky Bobby. Don't do that. Don't do that. But um. But yeah, man, like, so what's great about Boston and maybe people who aren't from here or people who kind of really don't know, like Boston, Boston, the townships of Boston is black and brown, but it's, you know what I'm saying? It's black. Dorchester, Roxbury, High Park, Mattapan, Rosendale, like these are black and brown communities. And, and these are, and the, the families who have been here for years and the message that needs to go out is don't sell your home. Fix your home, reinvest in your home, pass your home down to your kids. When 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 mom dies and the and the kids get the home, the first thing they want to do is sell the home to get a quick check. It's like no, keep that home, fix that home up, and then get that cash flow from the rental and and lit and you know what I'm saying be supported by that home and start to build generational wealth that way rather than getting one small kind of cash flow. You can have a lifelong, you know what I'm saying. You can have a whole life. Uh, time full of you know saying of of wealth that's being built yeah unquestionably Um, i mean you you, like with i guess there's a such a big difference between when you come down here and that motherfucker you said you was getting a bottle you went and grabbed goddamn fucking ph water oh relax relax we here okay i'm just making sure man i'm like hey what we doing here man i'm gonna be the only motherfucker drinking yeah come on come on now come on now Uh, (laughs) <laughs> so I think um, it's crazy because when down south people and up north people beat, there's like completely different issues as to where like in Florida, I think like it was at this point three years ago, I bought my house for 70K and could rent it for $1,200. Mm-hmm. 
like it's to amazing. rent something for twelve hundred dollars in Massachusetts, you'd have to have bought it for four hundred k. You're not getting nothing. Yeah, so I'm like, people don't understand what I'm telling you to like, yo, if you're gonna buy something, come down here, and and then people always come down here to Disney and buy a fucking timeshare, and I'm like, no, buy a house chair. Because then you could rent it, and then when you come here, you stay in it, or you can Airbnb it. But I think that is a whole other aspect, and that's why I fucking absolutely love your i your 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 um your music production idea. Because actually speaking to something like that, and I'm actually I'll skip ahead and, and talk about that shit now. Something as simple as teaching people how the industry works makes stuff. So much different makes deals like Little Yachty's deal so much different. Yeah. Why would you yeah. ever, if you have a buzz of a million followers on YouTube, ever need a label at all? Yeah. And, and Yachty in particular is in an interesting situation because it's like I'm assuming you're kind of directly referencing the interaction you had with Joe Buttons, where he was just like, well, he just didn't know shit about his deal, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was just like. And Joe Budden was like, so what's going on? You got 360? We got, and he just was looking at them like blank face. Like, ask, ask them, right? And now, usually with these artists at, on that scale, when they point out and they can say, ask them, it's usually somebody who is not from the culture, is not, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have a, doesn't have a, a cultural kind of tie to them to kind of really even be able to kind of look out for them. Yachty's in a rare case where he has a good structure around him. But a lot of these other artists aren't. And a lot of these artists are in the same boat as Yachty where they don't know what they deal is. They don't know what they splits are looking like. They don't know where their masters are. They don't know who owns their production and, and what production companies they're signed to and so on and so forth, man. And, and, and it's messy. It's I just messy. look at it and I'm like, at this point, how does – once you create your buzz and your deal, like you, if I was, for instance, like – I hate to bring this up because you're going to go down the fucking rabbit hole – with somebody like Jay-Z telling people how to make $10 million from a million dollars, why don't you tell these dudes to sign two-year deals at a time? So if your buzz goes so crazy that then you just go, you know what? I don't need a label anymore. I'm independent because nobody really presses hard copies anyway. So I don't think – I think like the numbers – like I was watching the shop with LeBron and, he, and, and Travis Scott was on it and, and LeBron was like – well, I mean, like, the Grammys and shit like that. Why don't we just make our own shit? And Travis Scott was like, yeah. nah, because we aspire to that. And he just wasn't grasping it to the point where I'm like, "Yeah, you don't understand that you selling an, an independent 200,000 copies might make you more money than you selling a label-sponsored 10 million. You're you going to bring me on another time, and we're going to have this Jay-Z Kanye debate that, that you're going to lose <laughs> on your own podcast. And, you know what I'm saying? And you might, you know what I'm saying? But to that point, and I'm going to tie in Jay-Z a little bit, then I'm going to leave it. Jay-Z's been giving them that game from the beginning, man. Rockefeller Records, they came up. They were trying to knock on label doors, trying to get that deal. And and I, I'll give more credit to it to, than Dame Dash. And I think me and you both have an appreciation. Oh, see your face kind of for for pushing for for pushing for that independence, especially in the beginning, for saying we're not going to be able to get the deal structure that we need from these labels. So fuck it, we gotta go get take our own money, shoot our own videos, press up our own records, and go out there and 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 really kind of get this thing going. Because if we trying to rely on these people to give us some money and to do X Y Z, it's just not going to happen. And that's a mindset that. 
is is still valuable in music. But then if you look at other aspects of business, if you look at what you're doing with the tribal ball, if you're looking at what I'm doing with Steamhead, if you're looking at other ventures that kind of like that are kind of in our atmosphere, like it's kind of taking some of those same principles too of like like we're not we're not of the traditional kind of look or presentation to be able to go get a million dollars to be able to fund a sport an international sporting event that has 10 a decade full of history you know what i'm saying we got to go and get it a little differently and fight and fight to get to that seat at the table that that whole fight is a different fight and it's a lot harder and we can kind of talk about all the systematic kind of reasons why that fight is harder but it but like that's that mindset that needs to happen and, and it translates in music and it translates in nonprofits and it translates in business and kind of everywhere in between. Yeah. Um and Jay Z is a better Yeah, stop that shit. Kanye. Stop that shit. <laughs> stop that shit. That's page seventeen. <laughs> we don't do that. Um That's part that's part three. So as far as this presidency because I really like to get at this shit. Yeah, it is a nice shirt, fucking Tim. I bigged that shit up in the first five minutes, but you wasn't in here. You know what I'm saying? Just to let you know that that happened. When y'all get that on the 10, 25 second delay, let me know. The um, Has this presidency, as far as the shit that they put in place, actually affected you? Because in my opinion, the presidency, nothing has changed as far as me. One thing that's changed is the people that might kill me walking down the street because I'm wearing a cabinet jersey. Yeah. Um, the country's worse, but the country was getting worse under Obama. And just the... I, it, it's it's tough, man, because... Not directly, but I'm sure indirectly in, the, in ways that I don't even understand yet. Right. I think that's the kind of answer to it, man. But like my day to day and the way I'm kind of attacking the work that I'm doing, like I, I'm not on the scale of, of, of and, and, and I don't yeah, look, make no mistake. I mean, like before before either. coronavirus, like the the regular shit before yeah, coronavirus, I'm like this shit is, could have happened to anybody. I'm, I'm, hip, I'm, hip, I'm hip to what you're saying. And like, I, no. And, and, I, and it's because I, and it's because I'm kind of operating this from an entrepreneurial mindset and I'm, I'm kind of attacking it that way. I, it, no, not directly, man. It, it's, it's a tough question. And I feel like I'm kind of stuttering and stammering a little bit because, um, because I know, I know he's out here appointing chief, appointing judges on, on kind of like all, on all levels that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're going to be this affect, so far down the road that it could affect you. I mean, that they do that shit yeah, every presidency. Even, but, 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 but even today, though, even today, though, right? Like with some of the lower court of, um, appointments that he's making, man, like, and, 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 and just some of these bills that are being passed that, that I'm not paying attention to and that, that are just happening, kind of, maybe not on the front page of the newspaper or on CNN. Like, I know there's a ton of shit that's going on that's just nasty right now and it's just setting the country back and it, and it's kind of shelved in racist and <laughs> ideals and just and, and and not even just and not even it just it being racist, but then also it, it just having a just blatant disregard for for the kind of for just kind of poor people and for and for the middle class, right? I, I mean, I think that the statements certainly sound like that, but in actuality, there was plenty of Democrats on when you're bailing out yeah. a fucking cruise ship that doesn't even pay United States taxes. Yeah, I mean, I, Trump in his press conferences and shit like that, like, I'm, I, it's not affecting me personally, man. I, 
I know he's a clown. I was I was watching The Apprentice when he was running that shit, and he was a clown then, and he's a clown now. He's gonna leave the presidency, be it after this, be it after this cycle or in another four years, and he's gonna run Fox News to Trump Network or whatever the fuck, and he's gonna be a clown then. So it's like it's just like. I just—that's <sighs> so fucking true. I didn't even think of that. I mean, what are you? Unquestionably, the marketing is impeccable. <laughs> yeah, it, you, but it, it's part of it's part like it's part of it's part of being black, man. Like, like you, you'll talk to people and they'll say like, oh, "Are you affected by what's going on outside in the protests?" And it's like, "It's just been happening my whole life. <laughs> this shit been happening. This ain't new." Like. The, the the political system and, and kind of people who are kind of setting laws in place in order to kind of affect black men, black people, minority people, poor people, middle class people, like these things, like these things have been in place in our whole, our whole lives. You know what I'm saying? So it, we've been fighting that fight. Is it and it's made me super skeptical and it's made me super like not hopeful. <laughs> but you know I. But even with that, man, I try to find some optimism and try to kind of push forward my work and I try to grow my sphere um, and affect change as I can, man, to fight. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying, it's 100% true. And it's like you look at it like I have friends that are, they're like, oh, I'm not on Facebook. And you're not on Facebook, so you're not even facing like the fucking worst of the worst, you know, where you see something like, you know, Kobe Bryant die of a helicopter crash and then you got fucking 45 people in there like, Thank God that motherfucker died, and I'm like, oh my yeah. God, is this what like this is what we become? While these people are also, you know, say that they're said religion, and then that religion still turns into, and, and it's not even an attack on Christianity. It's all religion has turned into kind of a fucking agreement of what I want to follow and what I don't want to follow, and what I feel sounds good and what I I don't feel sounds good. And then at the end of the day, you want to never look in the mirror and look at yourself as to what you sound like when you're saying, you know, somebody deserves to die, but there's also supposed to be forgiveness. And we have, you know, fucking, you know, thousands of molester priests, but nobody mentions them on a regular basis. Like they mentioned all this other stuff. And now we're, you know, at a place where you have people like Jeffrey Epstein and fucking molesters all over the place. And, and, And at this point, people are like, oh, you're wasting your vote. And I'm like. I don't give a fuck about my vote. I give a fuck about who's molesting people. Yeah, and it, it, it's just nasty, man. And everything is politicized. Like as you were talking about religion, as you were talking about kind of people online taking these stands. Like it's it, everybody's looking for this us against them mentality. Even if they don't, even if they're working off of misinformation, even if they're, even if it's just bullshit. Like right, they're just looking to have a side and be able to argue. Instead of really being able to listen, taking information and be like, oh, okay, like, damn, I was thinking all this from the wrong way. Or times have changed and we're all opening our eyes to kind of X, Y, Z issues and we need to examine it differently. Like people are less open to do that now. And that's and that's a sad thing culturally that's going on, man. And and I mean, I don't see I don't see it getting better. And and you're on Facebook and you're on Twitter and you're on, and I mean, I'm on these platforms as well. I'm just not actively like just jumping in those conversations, yep. man. But I see the shit too. I see the shit What's, too. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna switch it up a little bit, and we're gonna go some current news slash conspiracy shit. Oh yeah, let's let's, let's do it. So my first one would be I, I go to this cup when you start talking that talk. But I oh you oh hey yeah, exactly go to that cup. I go oh, I go to this cup when you second. start talking that. Talk. God damn it! If that's what we're gonna do, 
I'm going to do some yeah, fine yeah. red wine. Also, like this guy's getting fancy, man. He got a podcast, a couple of episodes in the game. Now he out here drinking Yo, listen, wine. Okay, this is crazy. This is crazy, crazy side story. This, this isn't even written down or nothing. They did a study. You can Google this shit, right? And they told people that one of the wines they were trying was worth $500. The other one was like a regular, you know, barefoot, yellowtail level wine. Now, mm-hmm. because they told people that one of them was more expensive, they enjoyed it more. They, they hooked them up with a brainwave study. And I think that's yeah. a lot of kind of what's happening in the United States now as far as the way that people think about what's good, what's not. And it, it, they don't realize how much people are telling them what's good versus them trying to figure yeah. it out themselves. Um, you see a lot of theories about people going, oh, they're going to give you the vaccine and they're going to put a chip in your wrist. Um, shit like that. I guess people think like when kind of like how we are now with coronavirus, it's almost like 50, 50, it has to be no or yes. You can't be in the mm-hmm. middle and figure it out. So I yeah. think that's kind of how people are with conspiracy theories. Now it's either like, yeah, I fully believe it or motherfucker, you're crazy. And I'm, I'm in the middle of it. Like I'll research it down to a certain extent, but like, do you think people are, are going to try to put chips in your hands? <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to set up there. There's a lot of misinformation out there, man. I mean, I think, um, and and that's and that's what like fuels a lot of these conspiracy theories, right, man? You'll see somebody in their basement, and they'll they'll just be rambling about some X Y Z Bigfoot, and then all of a sudden, you have a whole community of people who are who are using this random video of somebody's musings in their basement as a source of truth for, you know, just based on some bullshit. Um, I, I've See, you got me set up here like I'm Dr. Mims or something like that, man. I don't have the, you know what I'm saying? I don't have the doctor. Oh, yeah, that. hey, you don't have the, have the answer for us, so go ahead. Give I, me something. Yeah, man. I mean, I, 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 know that, I know that governments, not just the U.S. government, but other governments as well, are looking at different ways in order to be able, especially as it relates to the coronavirus, they're looking at different ways to be able to not only kind of like create a vaccine, but then also track and monitor kind of people who had it, people who have it, people who come in contact with people with it. So that, so that if you, if you, so that a whole bunch of countries are trying kind of chips in hands, wearing bracelets, kind of apps and all this other stuff like that. So I'm sure that's being talked about. And I'm sure that information is out there. I'm not putting no fucking chip in my forearm. So two, two, like, so it's, be, it's funny that you said that. So, so, so here's two crazy things right here, right? Say it was 1990. And I told you, next time, I mean, in the future, you're going to walk into a Walmart and everybody is going to be, it's going to just be robotic. Like, it's going to be all auto yeah. checkout. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. going to say, no, that shit ain't going to happen. I'm not going to let yeah. that shit happen, right? Yeah. I'll make sure there's a person there no matter what. So, you now mind mm-hmm. you, I walk into fucking Walmart the other day and the self-checkout is extended four times the size yeah. of a self-checkout. And... This is what's gonna happen. Hey, yeah, it's it's already happening. No, exactly, but Amazon. it's happening now at a point where people yeah. are gonna go like this. Hmm, I feel safer now because I don't have to interact with a person because of coronavirus. Yeah. And now, guess mm-hmm. what, motherfucker? You're gonna feel safe at home forever because you ain't mm-hmm. making no fucking money. And they're about to put motherfucking robots all over that fucking place to the point where you go, 
damn, what happened? Why is it all self-checkout now? I can't find a person to check out. What happened was coronavirus, and your ass got so fucking scared that you said it was okay when we told you to vote on it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, too, right? Like, some of the, now, conspiracy theories, there's the gamut of it, right? Some of these are, are actually, actually kind of futurist theorizing, right? And if, if just like to your point, right? Like, just a store with no people in it, with no, with no checkouts, with all automation and robotics and stuff like that, that shit sounds crazy. Look at some of these kind of Amazon concept products they have. They have the shit where, like, where they have the locks for the, the automatic locks for the doors, which is kind of pretty standard now. But like, they allow delivery men to come inside your house and drop packages off, and you're not home, and they don't have a key, and it's just automatic swipe, and it's like all types of crazy shit going on. Drone delivery. I mean, yo, it's like, crazy. We talked about people drone don't realize that drone deliveries. Would have, the only reason that drone deliveries aren't here is because really, it's like the United States is just like, nah, I'm not fucking with that because they can do that shit right now. It's just it's really a a United States thing where where they don't do it. Um, yeah, you said package, so we might as well really go down the rabbit hole. My, my guy got notes. You man. ready for the? You ready for the real rabbit hole? Yeah, I'm not ready for any of these rabbit holes, man. <laughs> so, you heard about this Wayfair shit? <laughs> Yo, I so let me give the let me let me give, let me talk about my life for a little bit, man. I I've been in super school administrator mode for the last like two months, running programs during the morning talking with teachers and parents in the afternoon, literally doing work, writing grants, talking to teachers, kind of doing my work and stuff like that at night. I don't know how I got this Wayfair information in my bubble, but I started seeing the names of the cabinets named after missing kids, and the shit was looking crazy. <laughs> was looking crazy. Hold on. Let me, let me put it up on the screen because I do got two of them in here so people can, can see what I'm talking about. Oh my god, that shit was wild. That's this is the new Wayfair conspiracy. Let me bring this shit to front. I believe that one. I believe that one. You got a cabinet named Amanda. Ten thousand. No, bro. I wish it was named Amanda, but they're even more random. You got one called Samaya. You got Naraya. You got Jaritza. You got Alavia. What? Like that's not even a regular white girl name. Like call that shit Karen. And, you know, I would shout out Wayfair. I know a couple of people who work there too, man. But so the, y'all gotta do so, better. So for everybody that's watching, y'all can't these, be these are the names that they're giving these twelve fucking thousand dollar Wayfair cabinets, by the way. And they all look the fucking same. They look like some shit that was made by Snap On. So I don't know what the warranty is on them or anything like that. Um, there's people. It ain't, making, what, it ain't what's on the outside of the cabinet. It's what's on the inside of the cabinet. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The I mean, if you haven't heard about it, basically they're trying to say that. Um, you order a cabinet and that shit comes with like a kid in it. Fucking internet, man. Wait a minute, what's going on? Here? All right, we're working. So, um, <laughs> I know for most people they're like, "Oh, that shit's outrageous!" Like, you know what I'm saying? They're they're not shipping kids in cabinets, and I mean to me that's a little crazy. But, <laughs> but. I, I mean. <laughs> But what, what? So from my, from what I take from it, like after you look at the Epstein thing, and I have a whole fucking graph that's every single person like that's supposed to be tied to him, or even anybody. Like if Epstein was like, "Hey Jim," like Jim's on the list. Like Epstein talked to this nigga one time in the Starbucks. 
NFC shit is crazy. So I, oh so what I think that that shit really could be like with those type of names, it it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a specific person, but it could could be like an entry. It could be like, yo, I bought the twelve thousand dollar cabin. I got it in my house. It doesn't have to have a kid in it, but you can hold it and go, hey, uh. I bought the cabinet, motherfucker, so I'm going to need you to deliver that kid sometime within the next two weeks. <laughs> it could be like a code before the code. Like, you buy the cabinet, then that sales receipt has the directions for... Yeah, for real. Yo, I think that, that people, <laughs> like, don't... Because there's... Uh, along with the cabinets, there's, like, a throw pillow that's $12,000. And that shit's got a girl's name, too. And it's, like, fucking a, a regular pillow that looks like you could make that shit on Vistaprint. I just seen a run of cabinets that was looking the same that was causing like ten racks, <laughs> and then it had the picture of the kids. I'm sure you showed it, man. That was Bro, just like, I can understand if that shit was like it had like artesian molding from Italy or some shit, but that shit it looks like a cabinet that you put fucking WD forty in. And kids, the internet got me, the internet got me twice this week, man. They got me with that wafer shit, and they got me with that that red table talk with with my guy Will Smith. They dubbed over same girl, the R. Kelly joint, and they had. I must. I gotta send it to you so you can post it, man. But like all that, all them red table talk memes, man. Uh, so listen, oh, if you ever want to, that is the most fucking. I don't know. I, fucking Jada Pinkett has fucking problems. First of all, there's no question about it because wherever that word came from, that shit came from a publicist. That did not come from her fucking mouth. Ain't nobody in, in, ever in life said, uh, "All right, bitch, I'm gonna admit it." I was entangled with, with these two bitches over here. Like, nobody ever said that. Ever in their life. Nobody's ever, I've never heard a story where somebody said, yo, let me tell you, it was, a, it was an entanglement. And we was there, and John was there, and it was, shit happened. But, but you know, I, I don't believe that was rehearsed. And I believe, I think that was just Jada being in no, her no, mind with this no. for a little her while. Her line was rehearsed. Because, the rest of it wasn't, but her oh, line no, no. was. Yeah, that, that, I don't know. It definitely was rehearsed by her. I don't think she ran it by nobody because Will looked at her like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that part of the script. I didn't get that edit. Hold on a second. What, what, what is you talking about right now? You talking about the relationship that you had with that man? Yo, the, bo- oh, okay. the, the, the boss, whoever her fucking publicist was, literally said, yo, this is the word that you can say that does the most, the least amount of verbal damage in somebody's mind because everybody hears it and goes, hold. Like, if you said that shit to your girl, if you just came back and you were like, what are you talking about? It was oh, an no. entanglement. She'd be like, wait a minute, what's oh, an entanglement? No. And then she'd wake up in the morning and shoot you in the fucking head. Oh, no. Oh, no. It wouldn't have got to the morning. It would have been an automatic <laughs> shot. <laughs> it wouldn't have got that far. It wouldn't have got that far. That entanglement, though, that's going to be some fly shit. You're going to see, man. People are going to be running that up now. Oh, like, nigga, yo, nah, that's the word now. There's no question about that. That's definitely yeah, the word. Yeah, I work with her, but we was just entangled in some work affairs. That wasn't nothing crazy. You know what I'm saying? I still love you, girl. That was just entanglements at work. <laughs> But I'm home with you <laughs> right now <laughs> in a relationship. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't see since you've been working so damn hard, I don't know what you heard and what you didn't hear. What, what, the, 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 uh, let's move on to Nick Cannon. I heard about the Nick Cannon, man. I heard them. He was talking that original man talk a little too loud and uh, them corporate checks started going away. That's true. So now you, you, you talk that original man talk a little bit too loud because um, to be honest, like, I guess when you just post a bunch of articles that said he made anti-Semitic statements, you don't actually preface the exact statement that, that what, the, which, in which he made, which is more along the lines of him saying stuff like, 
uh, I guess white people and Jewish people had to be savages because they ran into a situation where there was basically a class of man that was more than them, which if you go back and read Mark Twain, um, I think it was like 1800s, Mark Twain referred to the Zulus when he first first encountered them as perfect. He said their skin tone was absolutely flawless, there was nothing wrong with it, and that their muscle tone was so impeccable that it would be impossible to compete with them. So if you say something like that, and that's Mark Twain, he's a white guy, a very fucking famous writer, so I'm like, now all of a sudden Nick Cannon says that, you know, 200 years later, and people are freaking the fuck out as if he said all Jews should be burnt, and he did not say that. He didn't say anything close to yeah. that. Yeah, I can't speak it on on it all the way because I I just saw I saw the aftermath. I didn't get a chance to go back and see exactly what he said, but um, but just knowing Nick Cannon, like whatever he said, I I in in knowing Nick Cannon's history and knowing how he talks, like I can't really see him kind of going out there on some truly anti-Semitic. I hate the Jews, kind of like talk. Well, I mean, so, so 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 where the Nick Cannon shit started. And I can certainly see it coming from this, but I actually did listen to it, so I know exactly what he said. He was on a fucking podcast yeah. with with uh, Professor Griff, who was like the fucking at least that motherfucker says anything. So yeah, the know. problem is, is that now Nick Cannon says Viacom says, you know what, we're gonna release all the uh, we're gonna release you from our, your contract, whatever, blah 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 blah. And and Nick Cannon says you can't fire a boss, and then P Diddy yeah. says. Yeah, come to Revolt Network on his Twitter. Come on over to Death Row. No, no, you no don't problem. Want now, so here we go. Here we go. That so, mind <laughs> you, if, 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 if your anybody that's watching that doesn't know, because this is the number uh, two point five racist statement that you'll ever hear anytime you encounter a person that doesn't realize they're racist. Why isn't there a W E T? You got a B E T. Well, guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> I didn't know where you BET sold. is owned by motherfucking Buy Viacom. It got sold. So black people don't fucking own BET. You want to know what black people do own? Black people own TV One, Bounce, Aspire, Revolt, Own. What else I got over here? Bop TV. I ain't never even heard of that shit. And the Dream Machine. So those are the black-owned networks. This is Dream Machine? Is that some national shit? I don't know. That sounds like the old arcade at the Arsenal Mall. Dream Machine. You got you missing a couple on your list. Don't um, South. Don't miss. No, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, my man who got the Weather Channel. Um, just, his name just escaped me. I don't know um, his, his fucking the name of his shit was. If, if only if TT was in here, he could tell me because he posts that shit about that motherfucker all the time. You don't have me about on the, on the internet yeah, right now. Let's, you do talking. Let's do it. Let's look on the motherfucking internet, man. Imperfect podcast type shit. Trying to find information here. Right now. Oh yeah, I had to. Part of that goddamn uh, what's it called? Pizza Gate conspiracy. Some chick tried to just basically take thirty kids from Haiti and go. Oh, they need my help. And then they stopped her at the border. Like, who needs your help? <laughs> Let me see what this motherfucker's name is. I'm mad at myself for forgetting right now. I have to turn my phone off. People. It's calling me crazy. Show me pictures and shit. Uh, he owns Byron a ton Allen. of... Byron Allen, yes. Shout out to Byron Allen. Just cut all this out, man. Edit all this out. Just get right back to the Byron Allen. <laughs> Somebody said, also, WET would definitely be a porn channel. <laughs> <laughs> 
Without question, it would. It'd be porn and school shootings. My headset just went off, so I don't know. If my, I don't know if my audio is messed nah, up. Nah, you're now. good right now. Right, I turned off my fan in the back just in case. The um. So. I guess what basically what happened was Nick Cannon woke up in the morning and, and then decided, you know what, I'm going to apologize and I'm going to delete every video that I've ever done with, with uh, Professor Griff and Tariq Nasheed. So I don't think he's on the uh, the, the path of taking uh, on P. Diddy's offer. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Who if, if that was a real offer. But, I mean, he got fired, so. He got fired from Viacom, though, but he got a ton of jobs, though, don't he? He got he do Mass Singer on Fox and he well, do Fox, yeah, on. Fox came out and said, yeah, he they're they're staying, they're gonna stay with him no matter what. Um, because okay. I think he, I think their apology was for the Fox thing, but I, I think we're getting to the point where like, what the fuck is the point of these you know phony apologies? If you if you know that basically you're the, the way the psychology works, if we're gonna go by a Freud type definition. You're saying what you fucking mean. You can say that you were ill-informed, but you're allowed to read and you've been doing it for years. So now what? Now that means what? No Dr. Sabi documentary, no anything? Are you just going to completely lay the fuck down? Because I think uh, from the, the, the mindset of what people thought about Nick Cannon anyway, it was like, mm, I'm not sure until he gets all the way in. And this is your chance to really get the, all the way the fuck in. I, Nick, Nick Cannon has a label and a perception of being corny, man. But I, I got a little bit more faith in him than that, man. I've, I've kind of, I've seen him kind of talk on some of the other platforms that he's graded in. It's, it's, and even him stepping up to take that Doctor Semi documentary, man. Like I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that he's still on that path, man. He's gonna push forward with that, man. And, and then on top of that, too, man. Like Nick Cannon for sure has the corny label, man. But like even looking at what he's doing with Wild and Out, where. He's given so many young black comedians, black and brown, and kind of everything in between comedians an opportunity to be on TV, to tour, to get their name out there, to build up their own brands like a DC Young Fly. You know what I'm saying? He came like, out and advocated for him on his social media. Yeah, and, and and as they should, man, because Nick Cannon is really kind of like using his influence to really try to bring up people, man. So like from that standpoint, like he's putting in the work. You know what I'm saying? Like so we can joke on him and say like him putting that Mariah tattoo on his back looking like some old <laughs> ridiculousness. Like, we can laugh at that, but when it come down to, like, you know what I'm saying, him actually kind of doing his thing and advocating, like, you gotta you gotta look at the man's work. You know what I'm saying? You gotta look at his actions. Oh, uh, Listen, all I'm looking at is you got some empty space behind you, and I'm just saying, I could throw a Wayfair uh, fucking Julissa cabinet right there. We gonna, we gonna, we gonna, I'm gonna sign, I'm gonna get the message to you. Later on the night, man. I'm gonna get the measurements going. We gonna, uh, we gonna Julie, be all set. Uh, Julissa uh, cabinet pillow. on the rocks. I'm gonna start with that throw pillow. I'm gonna start with that throw <laughs> pillow for the couch. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna work my way up to the full on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We gonna rescue them girls, man. One way fit purchase at a time, man. So I guess um, for anybody that's watching that makes those WET comments, Viacom owns Nickelodeon and MTV and BET. So therefore they can take your fucking kid and show them a SpongeBob and then SpongeBob can be a superstar for a fucking teen that's popping and twerking when they're 20. So they can raise your kid all the way up to MTV and now they're a musician. So if ever you want to know why Britney Spears is Britney Spears, she was on motherfucking Mickey Mouse Clubhouse 
and then she was an artist right after. So that's everything that kind of comes into how you can be molded through your TV when you basically let somebody and not understand how it works. If you're still telling me that BET is owned by black people, you don't understand that. No, it, there's fucking black people protest, uh, positively protesting all year long. But since they don't fucking mm-hmm. own BET, not that you watch the shit anyway. Yeah. That they can't even control what's on that shit. So they can they can put whatever they want on it, and, and that's what it is. And they can fire the Nick Cannons. How do you fire somebody that's black, even though you own BET, right? So Nick Cannon can't be on BET right now because Viacom said, no, we're done. Yeah, man. It, it's, it, BET is it's some sad shit, man, because of what it should be and what it could be, man. Like, I was talking to one of my homies who's kind of in that TV admin executive space um, about this the other day. And um, and it, it, it's some sad shit because you see like digital streaming platforms right now are kind of really positioning themselves to be the new TV, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, like these kind of, like that is gonna be t- we're gonna turn on TV. It's not gonna be like oh let's go to Channel Five. It's gonna be like oh let's go to Disney Plus. Oh let's go to the Amazon Prime app. Like that's gonna be TV. That's conspiracy theory. I mean, yo, theory. To, to be honest, that yeah. is TV. So. People don't understand that as much as you love Dave Chappelle without Netflix, Dave Chappelle's done because TV yeah. destroyed him. And the old money said, Dave Chappelle, you're done until Netflix literally smashed the mold into pieces and said, no, nah, we're bringing them back. So yeah. we're just lucky that we have outlets like that. And, and there's there should be no shortage of them because I think people get overwhelmed as thinking, well, Netflix did this and this and they're so big. But you need to understand yeah. that starting at any level could certainly become that because I mean, you see, you see motherfuckers like, what's this, Desus and Miro? I don't even mm-hmm. think they're funny. Somebody sent me the shit like, yo, and I was like, all right, yeah, that episode was funny. But I'm like, I can't hate on their deal. They make fucking money. They get crazy amounts of people that's there. You know what I'm saying? And and, that, and that's the point where it's like they started from nothing. I'm sure they didn't think the shit was going to be anything. And then all of a sudden, there it is. Because, but guess what? If you don't fucking try, it's not going to be anything. And I can guarantee you that. Yeah, Charlotte Jesus in Maryland. That, that's a great story. And, and and just to kind of bring it full circle too. So I'm talking to the homie um who knows a lot more about TV than me. And I'm like, I'm like, damn man, I'm looking I'm I'm looking at these streaming platforms and and I'm like, where are the, where's the black streaming platform? Where's where's the where's the place that I can go and I can watch Old Martin episodes, Anna Wayne and Brothers, and Homeboys in Outer Space, or some bull- some random bullshit, you know what I'm saying? Plus some old like some old BT basement freestyles. Like, where can I get where where can I go to get these black all these black movies that we grew up on? Like, how come there's not one place that I can to, even like the bad stuff, even the, the I got the hookup, the Master P joint. No, but <laughs> you know yo, what that saying? is the that, that is a crazy go. statement. Like I never even thought of that. And why once again. Where where we tie all these people together? Why didn't? Because I'm sure the I think the Waynes own all their shit. Um, and mm. that's not in Living Color, because that was obviously why the In Living Color thing came up. But I think after that, they they um Keenan made sure that they own all their stuff. And I remember there was this thing called, and I can't even find it now. It was called Honest TV with Damon Waynes Jr. And it was a skit called um, fuck. It was like you put this ear thing in your ear and people hear exactly what you're saying for real even though you're lying to them hooked on honest hooked on honest it's one of the funniest skits i've ever seen in my life and they had a website for it and they pulled it all down and i couldn't find it so i think they're trying to unveil it later but with a black network you would think that they would buy up all that shit and all i can hope is that everybody kind of puts their movies to tyler perry studio going forward 
And then that yeah. some of these networks, which no, I don't fucking count on Oprah at all because she doesn't do anything fucking black other than make the color purple in a horrible Henrietta Lacks movie. And then um, it's gonna sound like you spent a good twenty dollars in the movie theaters. No, nah, I, I watched it on so, HBO because I know a lot about Henrietta Lacks, and I don't like the way they 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 uh kind of portrayed that <laughs> to the point where it's like one of these black networks buy all that shit and then you'd get it. Like if you bought all that shit right now, you you get it. I'm sure you could be like, hey, I'm gonna buy Homeboys in Outer Space and then throw it on a couple years. You know what I'm saying? So you know what the homie told me? He he told me like and because I was telling him the same thing. I was just like, I'm I'll pay nine ninety nine a month to be able to go back and kind of really kind of just have access to that kind of stuff, right? Like that's that's something that's not there. And he was telling me that like Traditionally, and maybe the times are changing, but like traditionally in media, like the black media wasn't respected like that. Those archives weren't really thought as, as having value, especially evergreen value that can continue to kind of be syndicated and and to keep having and and to keep and have like a longer shelf life, like a Seinfeld or whatever the case may be. And and it's just not there. BT doesn't like BT can't go back and show you old episode of the basement like that because they didn't because they didn't keep up their own archives so they don't have it they don't have it kind of in those they can do that and they just don't want to well, invest I mean, money everything that, wasn't bet i just think that everything on, oh, I, on upn um with yeah. and some of that upn stuff is in syndication like the way like i'm sure i think the wayne's brothers is in syndication right now on vh1 and you can catch old episodes of martin stuff like that but like even like but but it even trickles down to being like if I want to buy the box set for living single, it's really tough to do it. And like you could you might be able to get the first season, but you can't get the the fifth season. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's just real choppy with with, with those kind of like those classic black shows. You know what I'm saying? But it's because it, it, it comes down to systematic issues, just like with everything else in this country, right? Of of black media not kind of really being respected and not also kind of and not being seen on equal playing ground with some of these other kind of with these other outlets, with these other vehicles, and then it not being kind of it, it not well, being protected. I, I mean, from what you're saying, I look I look at it more even as as numbers. I started to look at everything now. When you say when you tell somebody, hey, black people are 13 percent of the United States. Now, anytime I walk into a place and somebody's like, oh, there's no black people working here, I'm like, I don't know, is there 13 percent of black people working here? Because mm. you go at 13 percent of the United States, you should never expect to walk into a place and see all black people, even though it does happen sometimes. So now depends on where you so are. Now, if I'm in DC on a land, I want to see a bunch of no DC. I, I said it two episodes ago. It's the only place I ever seen four black police officers in one place ever. But with that right. being said, now when you transfer that over, because you know we have to look at numbers all the time. We have to look at marketing numbers and possibilities and what will come of it. Yeah. It has to be a black person that goes. You know what? I'm a buy living single from you know I think Fox was what, what living single was, and then I'm gonna push it to a black platform that's only black people and um make the, and, and, the and, and amount of money that could possibly can make and it don't necessarily have to be oh this is a black show put it towards black people because we already know that black culture is now youth culture so in hip-hop culture, it kinda, culture it's all kind of melded it's all melded into one so like this isn't like small business we're talking here like like white people watch those shows just like Spanish people watch those shows just like black people watch those shows. And so there's a business there and it can be marketed, but it's just the, it's just a systematic problem with how black media is being kind of like categorized and 
and how it's being managed. And I think a lot of those things are still in place today with old media, but we're seeing that break now kind of with these digital platforms, with a Netflix kind of giving deals to kind of all types of different creators, including minority creators, including women, you know what I'm saying, to kind of really give them access to those kind but of I, things. But once so. again, with that, I think it's, it's, it's somebody that's got to buy everything somebody's got to buy they, they they're gonna go oh you know what i'm gonna buy all these black sh- i'm gonna buy all this black shit and then also i'm gonna combine it with like mix in some dharma and greg in this motherfucker mm-hmm. some wings and yep. some random ass old ass you know white people shows to where yeah. it works but yeah like when you i guess when you call it that you're not gonna draw that in because it automatically is like <laughs> If you're like, yeah. yo, this is, you know, the black streaming service, and people are gonna be like, oh, I don't need the black streaming service. Not like when, yeah. when Disney Plus came out, and people imagine, uh, immediately thought, I'm going to watch motherfucking Hamilton. And then after that, yeah. I'm going to watch Avengers. And then they're going to bring back Jessica Jones. It wasn't, there There never was anything that was like, you know what, they're going to bring some black shit, and we're going to watch this shit. That never yeah. happened. So, I mean, on that aspect, on the other side, you need to have a black dude buy a fucking syndicate. You need to have a black dude buy Friends. Yeah. People are like, yo, I own fucking friends now. And then I'm taking oh, yeah. friends and also I'm gonna fucking bombard you with some motherfucking homeboys in outer space and some Moesha. You gotta uh, I I don't know if I'm butchering the story, but I, I hear you talk about that and I think about uh Michael Jackson and um some and uh, as I understand the story, as the rumor goes, Paul McCartney was schooling them on on just masters, right? And the value of owning your masters and the value of, of really kind of like acquiring masters and kind of how that can kind of really generate wealth down the line. So Mike heard that. He was just like, you know what? You're right. And then he went and bought. I'm, I'm going to buy won. your songs. <laughs> and I was the end of that. You know I mean, what I'm saying? Simple as that. Uh, he's mad at me because I did good business. And it, um, Michael Jackson is actually a perfect segue because I'll, I'll go Michael Jackson for a little bit, and then and then we can finish this shit up. Um, yeah, one thing that is the craziest thing to me, and I said this the other day, is that with all this rape and molestation shit coming out, I have not heard Michael Jackson's name one fucking time. And you would yeah. think that in all those years, they'd be able to tie him into something, which is what I never believed anyway. I didn't believe that he was involved in that shit in the first place. And when that documentary came out, I had to explain to yeah. somebody, as soon as Michael Jackson, the state uh, challenged it, Oprah took all that shit down. She took it off yeah. YouTube. She took it off everywhere, which is like, hmm, that's a little funny, too. I seen that documentary, man, and that thing was nasty. Like, <laughs> it was nasty. And... You can't. It, 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 Oprah, man, she she's she's so powerful. She's done so many great things. But like stuff like this is like it's it's tough to deal with, and she really has to kind of come to the carpet and really kind of explain the rationale behind it. She was trying to do the same thing with Russell Simmons as well, and then you know what I'm saying like she got a little bit of backlash and she backed away with the documentary stuff. But like if you're gonna put out a documentary like that and you're not gonna do all the vetting in the world to make sure that these people are saying the right things and these people, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you can't throw smut on somebody's name like that, especially when they pass. It's if it's not, if it's not sound, man, because, and then on top of that too, like for people who like, if, if Oprah's putting her name on something like that, then I'm the, like, there's going to be a population of people who, who give, who give it a certain validation because they have a trust in Oprah. You know what I'm saying? And, her to lend her influence that way, man. That that was that was disgusting. Unfortunately, I think Oprah is a person that literally at this point has has, has transcended 
race to where like you know white people watch it every day and they're like oh i don't they don't even realize that she's black anymore because and now you uh, kind of extend that with you know her photos laughing with harvey weinstein and shit like that to where you're like okay so what are we doing here because i remember um eddie griffin the stand-up comedian saying if you're black and you're in the industry you don't make it out clean and now when you look at it the most the, the the biggest role models of the last you know, 40 fucking years have either been killed or, or destroyed in the media. So you can talk yeah. everything from Tupac to Michael Jackson to Bill Cosby to fucking, yeah. I can't even think of other people where it's like, those are the biggest, Bill Cosby is essentially the biggest black show ever, you know, and yeah. here we are working on Will Smith now. And then you got R. Kelly, who might be the biggest musician ever. He wrote You Are Not Alone, in case you didn't know, it was the highest selling single ever made by Michael Jackson. Yeah, the, the and and those are so complicated. Um, with the Michael Jackson thing, right? Like that documentary was wild, but there's some there's some blame on Michael Jackson too because he he was too familiar with too many young kids, right? Like that, like how far that went and and what and kind of what extent that was. Like I, I don't think we'll know, but the the shame in that he's too familiar with too many kids. The R. Kelly stuff. It, 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 that, that's that's a whole. Well, the way so 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 to give you a perspective of how I explained it, I said here's the difference between Michael Jackson and R. Kelly. When they accuse Michael Jackson of fucking with kids, you ain't never seen him with a kid again. They accuse R. Kelly, and he still had a bitch under his bed. And and you know what's and you know what's sad about that too, though, man, it is because and and I heard somebody say this, and and I hate the fact that it's true, but it's it's kind of real. Like if if R. Kelly was going on that kind of run with white girls, it wouldn't have got that far, and and he would have been he would be, he would have been in jail for a long period of time. But because it was black girls, man, like like there. It, 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 there was a lot of people kind of turning a blind eye to it. And, oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's the way the black community is with mental health. It's like, oh, that's crazy Jerry over there. And, and it's the black community, but then it's also kind of like the – it's also kind of law enforcement. And, the, like, he was he was blatant with this. Growing up, we all heard the, the rumors of him marrying Aaliyah, this and that, and all the joke, like, the sex tape when that came out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody – like, these things have been going on. Him peeing on girls. Dave Chappelle made the skit. Like, Dave Chappelle made the skit after we had already been laughing at that for way too long because we had all seen that sex tape, the highest whatever sex tape that was bootlegged. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> like you could go anywhere. Do you remember the time? Like, you could literally, I remember being in New York and, like, on every corner, it was that tape. It was just like, yo, this is wild. Like, like what is going on right now? But, like, like he's been doing foul from the beginning. Like when that documentary came out, the the first part, and they talking about how when he first got on, how he was hanging out at the McDonald's across the way from the joint, giving out happy meals. Just like, yo, what kind yo, of Yo, listen, I knew in the question <laughs> when they asked him. They was like, Do you like young girls? And he was like, what you mean by young? I was like, Okay, R. Kelly, like, but this fucking video's over. What are you doing? <laughs> And that is that is media trained R. Kelly. That is not him speaking from the heart. That is after all the prep. Him you with the can you define teenage? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, man? So I guess um, <laughs> we are so far away from education right now. I don't give a this. So listen, man. This is a perfect podcast. I don't give a fuck, man. We started <laughs> off on education. Everybody was. About that life. If fucking Sarah was here, we could have talked some more education, but it's okay. 
that's all right. This is still is. fucking, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. And I guess I'll finish up Damn. like this and kind of go on the same level that I went with um, kind of when I was in Texas and people talk that shit. Like I said, we're talking upwards of, you know, $6,000, $7,000 from the all evil Trump supporters when it comes to my nonprofit and, you know, all the motherfucking Afrocentric, where your dreadlocks motherfuckers ain't donated, but you know, uh, I don't know. We're looking at maybe five hundred. Yeah. So at this point, it's like, put your money where your fucking mouth is, because I do every day for everybody, and at the end of the day, the positivity is going to that point. And um, it's funny because I saw somebody sent me a parody of of Lord Jamar yesterday, and I yeah. fucking hate that dude. I yeah. fucking hate that dude because. Anytime you're spreading this type of hate, first of all, I think Eminem is the best rapper ever. That's it, we can argue it all you want. Um, it is what it is. Uh, he's not fine for me, so it's not like yeah, a real yeah. argument. So there's that there's that yeah. comment, and then you have this dude that says this type of shit. Now, mind you, okay, Lord Jamar doesn't believe in Eminem, or or you don't believe in fucking Black Lives Matter. If all these people, because I didn't even get to touch on that, which is. That was the, the the kind of the start of people saying, "Oh, George Soros funds Black Lives Matter," and I'm like, "Okay, I, George Soros can show up tomorrow and tell me he's giving me a million fucking dollars. I'm taking that shit to Costa Rica and I'm changing the fucking world." Yeah, it, it, people people get too hung up on and 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 it's it's a it's a nasty kind of set of circumstances where we live, man. I think you gotta you gotta look at things for. As somebody from the outside looking in, you gotta look at kind of how that money is being put to use as the first and foremost thing, right? If 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 I'm giving money to Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter is just kind of lining their pockets with it and they're not really supporting the movement, they're not doing all that, then everybody's wrong or all the way across the tree, man. But if real work is getting done, then don't be mad at the people who are on those front lines who are at that vanguard really doing real work, man. Like, and if the money is coming from somebody who, you know what I'm saying? doesn't necessarily have the kind of same kind of view sets, the same politics, but they're trying to understand or they're giving money because they understand that this is a good cause. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you got to kind of, you got to look at things case by case and you can't just look at things from black and white and just be like, Oh, you voted for Trump. So you must be bad. And, and you can't ever change your mindset or anything like that. Like you got to take things by case by case, man. It's, it's too complicated and it's too real out here to be, to be so close-minded like that. And to, and to go further, um, Lord Jamar has fucking donated zero dollars to anybody, anywhere. So, hey, he, he disagrees with Black Lives Matter, and he disagrees with Eminem, but he disagrees with anything that y'all are trying to fucking do either. So that means uh, I've donated about, I don't know, $10,000 more than Lord Jamar in his fucking history of donating to anything. So if you a yeah. super hood nigga, like y'all say... Y'all can sit there with George uh, fucking Lord Jamar and donate nothing, but guess what? I'm trying to actually unite people and change the fucking world um, every day that I'm out here. And I know Alex is because he's, you know, along the lines with us and our boys at Limitless, at Epic Care, at fucking One Vision. We're all trying to change the world. And we're all trying to create a circle to change the world. So when anybody asks, hey, what does the black community need to do? It's what we're doing. We just need the actual support of more people to make sure that we can um, make the changes that we need to make. Um, I guess I'll finish on that. But um, if you got yeah. anything to say, I know you said you had some questions. 
Well, no, nah, I mean, we've been going for like two hours, but you're going to have to bring me back, man. You're going to have to pay me a little stipend for, for all this game I'm giving out, man. <laughs> nah, man, I, I appreciate being on the podcast, man. I, I, I think one of, one of, I mean, we go back, we went to school together, man, and we, and we kind of shared in, we shared an experience kind of at Brookline that kind of really kind of molded a lot of kind of who we are today, right? Through the adversity and through kind of the good communities and kind of all that stuff that was built, man. But I, I see what you do, man, with the Tropic Bowl. I see that what you do with other people who just helping them selflessly um, in relationship towards kind of them starting businesses with them having questions about kind of life and, and just kind of you being there and a source for that, man. And, and kind of I respect that. And I see kind of qualities and try to how I try to live and how I try to kind of give out information kind of through kind of like how you do it too. Too, man so i so i i respect it and and i use it and it's inspirational for me as i move forward too man because i know in addition to your work man i know that like i know i, I know for a fact you know people who, who are started up companies and they, they've come to you and ask you for advice and and you selflessly like giving them game putting them on to people on how to do things and kind of just giving them resources in order to kind of do better and grow their stuff man it's not stuff that's always talked about and that's the type of things when i when i say communication and kind of when you say kind of really kind of like talking about giving back it's not just about money but it's about but it's about helping one another it's about seeing people who are truly kind of putting their all into a business or truly about a movement or truly affecting change and it's about really kind of getting um it's really about doing what you kind of support those people you don't have if, if you don't have the time and capacity to kind of be able to do that not everybody does like not everybody can do the shit that we like if you shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, but it, but even if you can't, that's fine. Like support, you know what I'm saying. Support, learn about kind of other people who are doing these things, and figure out how you can contribute and how you can keep these things going. And then and then you'll see those benefits too, right? It's not everything is about instantaneous gratification or, or or instant return, man. But kind of if we all are helping each other, if we're all building this ecosystem and we're all making it strong, then it's gonna be there to to kind of really kind of solve some of these problems that. That, that are out there, man. Oh, so, yeah. damn, you sound like you wrote that down. That's that's what I'm man. Plus, so, you know. I mean, just to extend on that, um, I think um, people trying to take into account that sharing and helping is more than it needs to be. I don't need you to give me ten thousand dollars, but however, I do need you to share my shit. I do yeah. need you to like my shit and get that algorithm going. I say this all the time. I don't give a fuck what my friend share. It could be the worst rap song ever. I'm liking that shit, and hopefully yeah. you fucking blow up and turn everything into what you need to turn that shit into. And, and with that being said, also, there might be a piece that I have that you don't have and vice versa. You might have a piece that I don't fucking have, and I need that piece so that we make it because when we make it, we all fucking make it, and I'm coming back, and I'm going to make sure that we take care of everybody. Um, Alex, thank you, man. You you definitely came correct. You definitely answered everything you need to answer. We can't compare anything to Mims because I can't even compare myself to Mims. He's on a whole other level of of kind of where he's at. Um, let me let me get let me get let me get a minute on Mims real quick, man. Before we go, man. Um, if anybody who's listening to this haven't listened to Ray's episode with Doctor um, Adrian Mims, man, go and do that now. Um, I went to Brookline High School, so did Ray, and. Um, we didn't. Ha I didn't have Mims as a math teacher. I don't think you had him either. Um, but he was a presence in that school for us, man. That that was definitely 
in a foreign land, in a foreign environment, he was definitely some somebody that we could look at and say, like, okay, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there there are people here who I know I could talk to if something crazy is going on, who I know I can kind of reach out to. And even if I don't talk to him, just being a symbol there. And then on top of that, man, he was he was out here dunking on the kids, man. He wasn't dunking on me, though, but he was dunking on <laughs> the kids, dunked man. on me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see him. I don't see him duck on duck on a couple folks, and I was looking at it like that couldn't be me. <laughs> couldn't uh, be me. I'm gonna get off the right now. I'm gonna slide to the side real quick. You got it, man. You got the whole lane right there. Cause if, if it ain't gonna be that, it's gonna be me and you fighting in the. It's gonna be a full on technical. For real. Be, for real. <laughs> but hey, thank you everybody for tuning in. Like I said, share this shit. Like this shit. Don't hate it, cause I'm not hating on you. Listen on Spotify. Apple Podcast, which way is it? This way, Apple Podcast, YouTube, Imperfect Audio, Facebook, Imperfect Audio. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our guest, Alex, and We Steam Ahead. Have a great we night. Steam ahead. Check out our Instagram, We Steam Ahead. Um, all that, man. Our website, WeSteamAhead.org, Organization Steam Ahead. Check it out. Have a great night.